0: It's July 15th. I'm Bob Johnson with Brad Buzer, and we are having conversations at the corner here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. Brad is the director of Radius International, a ministry that is committed to giving thorough training to people who are considering going into um, missions, Mission, a ministry is located in Tijuana. And, um, but that's not we're going to be talking about specifically today, but I think some things, Brad, that is really helpful for our church family um, regarding missions, um, and I want, to, I, I want our congregation to think rightly about missions, and you used a, a term yesterday in the sermon, uh, strategic missions, and I want to ask you, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, I think when the, we use the term missions, it's it's obviously not defined in Scripture per se, uh, but I I would probably look to the Apostle Paul and how he practiced missions, what he did, what were her, his overriding principles. And when he says there in Romans 15, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I fully proclaim the gospel. He's not talking about saturation of evangelism. He's talking about planting outposts of the gospel and then moving on, moving on, moving on. And he, and he ends that passage uh, by telling us uh, that my heart has always been to build on no man's foundation. He doesn't give us uh, everything regarding strategic missions, but he does give us the heartbeat of the strategic missionary, which is to go where it's never been before. Then as we went into passages yesterday, man, we see our God's heart to be honored among every tongue, every tribe, every nation. So when I think of strategic missions, I think of those things that are in line with the Great Commission, those efforts to push the gospel into those last remaining language groups. I don't want to... Uh, come across with that term like everything that's not strategic mission is valueless mission that would not be the case but too often we have done disservice to the great commission by calling everything missions and not having any evaluation metrics is this really contributing is this moving the needle on the great commission or are we doing just good stuff overseas
0: so when you talk about moving the needle so there's 3100 languages that do not have a gospel witness to them they don't have the scriptures in their language they don't have identifiable access to the gospel so what do you mean by moving the needle
1: what i mean is raising up from a church like cornerstone missionaries that are going to target one of those people groups then another one then another one Uh, and actually putting very deliberate steps in place. And this is hard. This means for any church to implement this, saying no to a lot of good endeavors, things that are not obviously evil, uh, they're not a waste of time, but they're just not helping us move that needle. And so uh, it takes a lot of courage as a church, as a missions committee, to say no to good people that have good ideas. And that's where the rub comes in. Going to those last 3,100 people groups, and you said it yourself, uh, the reason they're on reach is they're hard to get to. It takes tremendous time. Uh, it takes putting your life completely on hold, uh, a lot of sacrifices, but that's what it's going to take to complete the Great Commission.
0: So we're Cornerstone Baptist Church, <clears throat> and I said this to to my wife yesterday on the way home, what an honor it would be if we as a church started praying for one of those 3100 languages and just say lord will you let us be strategically involved in reaching just one of those and just help what 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 could we do as a local congregation to to start thinking about how we could be involved in moving the needle at least I mean, Brad. If thirty-one hundred churches did this, I mean, and and that's that's not unreasonable. That that's, I think, is what Peter was talking about in hastening the day of the return of the Lord. You had to get getting you want to, you want to see Jesus come back. Get the gospel to all of these languages. So, what 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 counsel could you give to us as a local congregation? What 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 should we be thinking? What what could we be doing about how do we take that? vision and and make it a, a reality
1: man just being here one day yesterday seeing the things you guys are doing uh, man. meeting with the college students last night you've got a guy like dave here who's a point guy for your missions efforts here and very well informed guy <clears throat> i think you guys are in a tremendous spot what you said at lunch yesterday bob man we've actually made cuts we are setting aside funds to support our people that will go and do this I think for you to be in front of the college students and and endorse, guys, we know you're scared about the finances. That's a normal concern. We're going to get behind you. Uh, I think for parents to realize how serious the church leadership is about this and pray the Lord of the harvest to raise up harvesters. And, uh, man, a lot of students last night asking some very good questions. I think the follow-up that uh, uh, Chris and uh, Colton have uh, with those guys there having Dave there to receive and having a missions committee uh, for those who aren't goers, who just, they're not in a place in life, man, some sharp people on that missions committee because for him to say no to good ideas, he needs to have the backing of people that are very well informed and it takes a lot of study to have a, a biblical basis why you're not going to do this good idea.
0: I wrote a, a blog <clears throat> to the congregation a couple weeks ago about, a number of things related to missions, but one of them that I mentioned is that mission agencies, not all of them certainly, but some of them in the, in the last generation have tried to marginalize the local church. They have told their missionaries, skip the church, go directly to individuals because the churches take too long to make decisions and they're clunky and that accountability and oversight is is a pain in the neck. So just go go directly to the people, get your support from them. It just, it just is a whole, a whole lot easier. Um, Is, have you seen that as well? And if you have, um, what has been the fallout? What's been the result of bypassing the local church?
1: Well, they'd probably be hesitant to own that term that they've bypassed. They, All the agencies I'm aware of like to speak of their <clears throat> submission to the local church, but the reality is, as you've said, in the last generation, uh, the methodologies that have been employed make it very difficult for them to actually have a, a, an honest one-on-one conversation with the biblically well-informed church leadership. The methods are so sketchy right now that there is a hesitancy to to be very closely under the authority of a church Once churches find out what's being done in missions today, uh, the reservations go off the charts, okay? So there's a lot of reasons for that gap between the agencies and the churches. Uh, churches that are informed like Cornerstone meant to continue to pick up the phone. Uh, my concern is that uh, biblically solid churches step away from the agencies and they get further and further off the reservations in their methods. We, we, we need to trust that we can pull these brothers and sisters back into historic methods. But that's going to take a lot of disappointing, uh, hard conversations, trips down to their headquarters uh, and asking for definitions. Yeah, it's, there's a big problem in missions today.
0: Some of the missionaries that I've, I've talked with are, are serving with other missionaries on the field who they don't seem to have a clear vision of what a local church is, I mean, which, which almost blows my mind that they are on the field— in order to plant local churches, I'm thinking, and they don't really know what a healthy local church is. And that has been a rude awakening for me because there have been some assumptions that I have had regarding missionaries and mission agencies in particular. And I'm realizing some some of them, they give lip service, but they don't really understand the priority of a local church.
1: And this is uh, especially common in parachurch ministries <clears throat> uh, that take uh, place oftentimes it's on college campuses. Uh, you get a guy who's saved in a sophomore year of college. He's discipled by a wonderful ministry. And I praise God for what they do on college campuses. But they're not pushing those young converts into local churches in their college years. They become their church and then when they want to go overseas um, they become their sending agency there's many college ministries that now have become sending agencies and so they never really have an experience in a local church and what it is to compromise with young and middle-aged and old people uh, they don't know about leadership and being underneath leaders that they disagree with because their leaders have been cool and trendy and and, and sometimes pandered to them uh, all the things that go into being a local church uh, yeah they don't have a first-hand experience And then, oftentimes, they're not even biblically that well grounded to understand what a local church is. So it's really no surprise. And then you have sending agencies that are much more; uh, they've been around a lot longer, but they have offloaded that type of uh, training and that type of responsibility onto the team. They they speak of the autonomousness of the team. The team decides what a local uh, church is. Well, that's. That's a recipe for disaster. A lot of times, these teams are again made up of young, theologically ill-trained, poorly trained people. They have great hearts, but they really haven't put the time in. And so you get a, you know, a common definition for churches among missionaries today is where two or three are gathered together. And uh, that's just not what Jesus yeah. is talking about when He gives that definition.
0: <sighs> well, and 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 your. Acknowledgement that yeah, there are some really good people and we need we need to know that that they're not they're not setting out to do something that's wrong. Um but in many cases they just don't see and have not been trained with the full picture. And so we as a church, we need to be willing to have clarifying conversations and really find out both from the agency, from the missionaries, what do you mean by that? and be willing to explore in detail so that we don't have these assumptions and then have these frustrations oh, yeah. down the road.
1: The uh, uh, the the things that a church, a local church, <clears throat> should be doing before they send a, a candidate to radius, there's a list of them. I'll actually give that to uh, Dave here. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the vetting of the agency uh, man, the church needs to be at home with the agency. Uh, agencies are doing less and less in regard to oversight, Uh it- evaluation of their work overseas uh it's really become the work of the local church to do that and i'm and i am a big fan of agencies when when your new missionaries hit the field it's wonderful to have somebody who's been there five or ten years and they know how to help them get a visa get housing uh so i'm not out to do away with the agencies but man they are in a very limited role in this day and age
0: so you're the director of a training center um Let's say that Cornerstone um sends some people to you to be prepared to go into one of these hard to reach groups um what's the i what are some of the best things we can do for that person in preparation of them going <clears throat> to radius
1: uh how <clears throat> Have them come to you as soon as possible. Talked with numerous uh, college students last night. The sooner you guys are involved in that process to vet them. Okay, are they the type of people that you see potential in? Uh, for them to hold on to this idea, and you already know enough about them to realize that's this is not a person who's cut out for a high-stress lifestyle. The ones that are cut out for that, man, help them with their major. There are majors that will open more doors, their college major, and majors that will open less doors. Theologically, make sure they know your doctrinal statement. Now, you're not a, a, a four-year Christian college. We're not asking that of our students. In fact, it's better if they don't go to a four-year Christian college because they're gonna get into more uh, inaccessible countries that way but ground them in where you're at and why you're there okay make sure that you feel confident that they, they have a hunger for the scriptures they're going to continually be learners um for
0: the vast majority of our people who are wanting to honor the lord and live their lives for for his pleasure for his glory and uh who who want to make the spread of the gospel Uh, the priority of their life but they're not going to be going to another country how can a church member make missions a priority without actually going to the field
1: well i know my wife's parents are a tremendous example of that that raising their daughter as an offering to the lord praying that the Lord would give her a heart for do this Uh, man being involved reading her missionary stories as a young child endorsing that it is so common I would say at least 50 percent of the students that come to us at Radius uh even believing parents they have to overcome parent parental obstacles so that's one thing as a parent another thing is man seek out Dave Uh, man how can I serve on the missions committee man to to have a missions committee that's really up to speed to carry the load as you guys become a sending church to more of your own people uh, man to have you know point people on that missions committee for every single person that's out there that really knows what's going on there's a lot of work involved with that it's probably going to take a missionary a missions house here for your furloughing missionaries that you that are from your church to be able to have roots here Uh, it's going to take vehicles and somebody to to do that it's a very involved thing we have a, a a church about half the size of this but uh, right now, there was a point where we had 10% of our congregation of our members overseas as career missionaries. And so the, the, the automobile fleet, the housing, uh, people leaving their houses to the Lord in, in their will, uh, obviously living sacrificially to support these people. Uh, when all of us guys were going off, our church leadership was terrified. How do we support them? Uh, the church grew exponentially to be able to do that. Um, from our the kids in that youth group, we have a, uh, a little... Uh, uh, Cabinet there in the foyer of our church. We have thirteen translations uh, of the scriptures done in pioneer areas from a church, just because of that youth pastor that had a vision for the world. This church here and, the, and our church wasn't near leadership wise in the p- place that you guys were. But I'd say get ready for an explosion. It could really happen. It will stretch you at every level, and uh, man, it, exciting days could be coming very quickly.
0: So, final final question. We have a history of. Doing a lot of short-term trips and i've made a lot of a lot of trips myself uh some of them have been good uh some of them have been frustrating from your perspective um is there any value to short-term mission trips and if so what makes a short-term trip good
1: yeah <clears throat> um. People, that's a common question because, uh, yeah, anyway, I'll just answer it. Yes, I see tremendous value in short term trips. Um, I'm not a proponent of people who just want to see that part of the world. Uh, just for uh, Christian tourism, not a big fan of that. But to, especially for people in their high school, college years, or young uh, professionals. Uh, that are open they demonstrated to you guys as a church man I'm really open to this I just want to see this further I think that's great for the church to not only endorse that but even put some of their missions monies toward that okay Uh, leadership of that team that can debunk erroneous ideas and help them get the most benefit out of it. And then if it can be done in conjunction with a missionary that you know communicates well with people, and he's actually in a point in his ministry where people can be somewhat excited about what he's doing. Uh, I'm not a fan of doing evangelism overseas in English or Uh, that type of stuff. Uh, Don't try to do something we're not cut out to do, but there's a lot of other helps that we can do while we're overseas. I've seen a lot of what you're talking about, the good stuff that was really, really helpful for the kingdom. And then I've seen also trips where people came down. Wow. We really, we reached Mexico. We helped a lot of Mexican kids come to know the Lord. Well, you know, that, that's just not the case. I've, I've seen the same Mexican kids getting saved three or four times a summer for three or four years in a row. Um, don't do evangelism overseas.
0: Brad, I want to thank you for spending some time with us. We um, just so appreciate um, you and Radius. We're just at the beginning stages of what we think is going to be just a long term relationship. And we hope by God's grace to send people your way that the Lord will use your staff to train them in ways we couldn't but we want to send send you good people that partnering together we can move we can move the needle and uh and rejoice together around that throne we're looking forward to that bob we really are and this has been conversations at the corner thank you for listening and uh we will catch you next time